When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey everybody, it's Brian House here for Housework and welcome to episode number 2 of Houseworks podcast called Work For It. We are joined here uh, in the studio with Mr. Trent Hill. Hello. And Mr. Jesse Allison from Mountain Prevail. He's got a YouTube channel. We're going to get to know both of them a little bit better in the upcoming minutes. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks for listening in. And also, uh, we ran the numbers. Uh, Craig over at the Makery Network, which is what uh, this uh, podcast is being broadcast out onto uh he ran the numbers and we're actually looking pretty good um because of our influence i believe in the social media world uh we were number 24 on apple podcasts for the first day release and uh some of the other makery network uh podcasts reached up into the uh top 10 which i thought was fantastic so i appreciate you yeah isn't that amazing i mean for our first release in a new podcast it's a pretty cool thing to be able to say that uh people are listening and i love it so uh so anyhow yeah man so without further ado uh gents what uh i'll start with you uh trent what are you up to this week and uh what do you've got uh, going on in your workshop or projects uh in the house the uh the workshop itself is the project ah i've i've got an uh it's a really old uh detached garage and I don't really enjoy, uh, you know, sweating my butt off. So <clears throat> I bought a uh, pretty good size air conditioner last year. And even with that, it can't really keep up. So I decided I'm going to bite the bullet and go ahead and insulate and panel it out so that, you know, I can keep heat in in the wintertime and keep it cool in the summertime. And so just, uh, I live in a very uh, hot climate, so I'm down in South Florida, and uh, and on a regular basis, most of the year, it's like a heat index is around 100. What get, Fill me in on what Wyoming is like, because I have no clue. We're hot and dry. You've got that wonderful humidity that just kind of makes everything disgusting. Yes, it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the heat here will mummify you. Ah, so it dries you out. Yes. I got you. Like, what's the temperature there today? 
Uh, temperature right now is about 78 degrees. <clears throat> it's not so too it's, bad. Does yeah, that feel it's, hot it's to actually, you, though? It's actually, well, yesterday was 95, and it was awful. Oh, I gotcha. All right. So you're you're working on insulating the, the workshop. Uh, what's the footprint of the shop? Uh, just under 450 square feet. That's a good size space to work in. Yeah, it's it's great as a workshop. It was pretty cramped as a garage, though. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. And uh, Mr. Jesse Allison, you're in uh, Virginia, if I'm not correct. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A little town called Chilhowie. I don't know if uh, if you've ever heard of uh, Bristol, Bristol, yeah. Virginia, Bristol, Tennessee. It's all yeah. right on the uh, county or uh, state line. So I'm like about the southwest side. Yep, southwest Virginia. I'm probably 35 miles from from Bristol. If you ever heard of if y'all are race fans, you know Bristol Motor Speedway and all that. I'm not not very far from there. Right on, man. And uh, what do you've got going on in your show? Well, first of all, tell us a little about yourself. Talk, you know, tell the audience who you are, what you do, and uh, fill us in on that. All right, I'm I'm Jesse Allison, and I'm uh, uh, I'm just a, a maker of things. Uh, I'm a I'm a carpenter by day and an aspiring knife maker at night right now. And uh, gosh, man, I'm just uh, I've been so incredibly busy lately that it's it's not even been funny, man. I've uh, I'm working on uh, remodeling the whole outside of my house. Been new roof, new porches, new siding, the whole nine on that. And uh, you know, I'm trying to get this knife business off the ground, and uh, you know, uh, spend all the time I can in the shop. And uh, I've got a little boy; he's ten months old now. So, oh, as man. you can imagine, that uh, that takes up just a little bit of time too. I raised three of them, so I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, man. So. Uh, my shop time right now, uh, you know, usually come home from work and, and do things around here and hang out and play with the little boy for a little while. And me and the wife will do the supper gig and all that. And uh, usually when they uh, they go to bed and 9, 30, 10 o'clock or whatever or start winding down, that's usually when I'll hit the shop. And sometimes I'll work till 2 or 3 in the morning. Yeah, follow that on YouTube. Uh, if you if you if you want to uh, find Jesse's channel, he's uh, his channel's called Mountain Prevail. It's two words, and uh, if you find it, you can just Google it right in YouTube. You can search for it, and it comes right up. I did it the other day to make sure it works out. Uh, he's got a, a nice studio set up, and what I think I like about your videos, Jesse, is how candid you are. You you don't really filter yourself much, and you just kind of go with the flow, and you. You've got a good teaching side to yourself too, you know. Even though you're just, you say you're just getting started, you know. I learn stuff from you, which I, well, I dig. I, I appreciate that, man. I, I wish I felt that way about myself. Maybe I, I wish I was as confident as myself as what a, a lot of people uh, seem to be in me. Well, yeah, well, that that's that's a totally normal thing, by the way. We all have that that <laughs> imposter deal. syndrome. We all mm-hmm. feel like that from from start to jump. But uh, so you uh, now the little bit I've seen of your shop, it's like a it, it looks like it's upstairs somewhere, like up in a attic or something. Tell me about it. Um, it's it's actually a, a separate whole shop out here. It's in my backyard. It's uh, it's twelve foot by sixteen, and it's uh, two stories. I got a uh, when you walk up on the porch and you go in the in the bottom. That's kind of my dirty room. That's where my my bandsaw and the table saw and my grinders and the heat treat oven and all that stuff's down down there. And then then I got a whole upstairs in it, and that's where I do like leather work and handles and all the uh, the clean parts of the job. 
Yeah, and it looks pretty clean to me. Like that that little second floor area looks like you got a computer up there and all that stuff. So it looks pretty pretty easy to work in. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's working out working out pretty good so far. It's small, but uh, I feel like I've got things set up to where uh, kind of got stations and where it's you know everything's real usable the way it is. Even so though it's not a, even though it's a small area. Yeah, yeah. I I I worked out of my garage for as long as I can remember until I actually got the opportunity to move into the space I'm in now, which is a lot bigger. It It's not as big as it looks like on, I use wide angle lenses. It's only about 700 square feet total, but, uh, it's, uh, it, it really does fill up quick. If you start buying tools, you start expanding and then the walls start coming in on you. So yes, sir. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, I could use another lathe. I could use another drill press. Oh uh, sure. You know, people are like giving me stuff, you know, like, oh, you got all that space over there. You need another chop saw, don't you? Oh uh, hell, why not? All right. Yeah. Sure, I'll yep. take it. Yep. But, yeah. My uh, problem was like when I built the shop, of course I, I built it myself from the ground up and I just have really finished everything up this last year. And, uh, like when I was laying, like doing, building the walls and stuff, I wish I would have put a little bit more thought into where windows and and doors were and could have because i could use some more wall space like you just said there without setting you know trying to set up power tools and drill passes in in front of the windows and whatnot i gotcha yeah do you, hey jesse do you have any any possibility of like uh roof drops what do you mean roof drops uh from your ceiling for your your power oh yeah 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 Oh yeah, I, you can move everything out into the middle of the room. Yeah, too. I mean, I'm just just hip shooting because I hate. I, I think it's my background in machine shops. I hate crap on the floor, walking over cords or trying to snake cords behind. Yeah, uh, for sure, tripping over things. Yeah, yeah. If you can drop your electricity down from the the top, my dad's always telling me that because I've got like 20 foot ceilings in this space and he's like you just need to move you know do some things down from the the top drop some power down and i'm like yeah i need one more project like a hole in the head I'm like, <laughs> i'll trip over this cord all day long and i do but a lot of uh one of my passions all of my tools for the most part are on wheels right so i can move things around because in the studio i like to you know my my angles what i film and all that i, I need to be all the way around whatever i'm working on for the most part and there's nothing like, you know, trying to roll a three, 400 pound table and it hits a little tiny piece of a, of a extension cord or something. Stop it and dead it, in its um, tracks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or it bounces over it and everything on the table falls over. That's always fun. So, and then I've now I've got airlines cause I've got the CNC table in here. So now I'm dealing with that and yeah, it's only a matter of time. I need to clean all that up. Um, being that it, that I said CNC, I'm going to make this segue right now. I had a really, really frustrating experience yesterday. I um, Jesse, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm I'm moving into uh, CNC, uh, working with a Crossfire Pro, which is like a little three foot by four foot uh, plasma table. And yeah, I've yeah, been, I've seen that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's a great piece of technology, and it's an awesome tool. I've never dealt with anything like this before, but uh, I've I've. I feel like I'm picking it up pretty quickly. You know what the, the process of like drawing the, the pieces out in fusion, then moving them over to G code or moving them over to um, sheet cam, which eventually will process the G code, which is what the table reads to cut all your pieces out. And I've, I've uh, been working on this grinder project for a long time. 
and I decided I was going to make this little bracket that holds the platen uh, onto the D plate. And I wanted to make it flat packable. So like it could just be cut out of like, say, quarter inch steel or something. And these little brackets are, they look like H's kind of, like if you can imagine an H with like a rounded top on it. And it holds the foot. And uh, I cut like, say, five, five or six of them at a time and they come out great. And then so I'm get feeling all confident now in everything. So I go into sheet cam and they have this array feature, right, where you can take one part and you can tell it, hey, I want you to array say, I don't know, 20 of these things out on the plate, and you can tell how far apart you want each one and all that jazz, right? So I go do that. I put a new uh, um, uh, tip on my torch. I got everything set up. I got the water in the table. I hit go, and it, it's going. You know, everything's working, and I'm kind of not paying attention to it because I didn't want to be a helicopter parent and just sit there and look at the damn table like the whole time while it's cutting, you know, for about 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I come back, and all the pieces are cut, and they look good. I mean, they look really good. And I'm all proud of myself and everything. And I, I had posted uh, onto, onto Facebook and Instagram that I was selling these brackets. And I sold like 40 of them, uh, like all at once, like in the first day. So I'm packing them up and I'm like, you know, this slot looks a little wrong. I'm like, I should probably just throw a uh, caliper on that to find out. And sure enough, it was off by just like... I don't even know. It just, it must've been less than a 16th of an inch. Okay. Well, now my part doesn't fit together. You can't nest them together without filing that, that uh, little burr off on the inside, basically. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I printed this yesterday. I printed this exact file, but not this many of them. Uh, and it came out just perfect. So I'm playing around with it and playing around with it. And the one thing I had changed was when they shipped me the torch, they shipped it to me incomplete. They didn't give me the shield, the machine shield with it. I had gotten that in the mail yesterday. And like a dunce, I put it on, not thinking it's going to mess with the curve at all. It shouldn't. (laughs) Nothing should change. I'll be damned. It made the curve just that much smaller. So what it happened was, is all the parts came out just slightly too small, you know? And of course I cut a whole sheet of them and, um, I had to chew on that for a while. That was really frustrating. Cause you know, I got all the labels printed. I got everything ready to go out to the customer and, uh, had to unbag a whole bunch of them and, uh, you know, go back and then, and, and I don't know what I did wrong other than that. So I went in and I adjusted the curve, uh, just like 0.05 and, uh, bang, Came right out, perfect, you know. But uh, I had never tested it with that machine shield. And Trent, I was going to ask you, is, I've, obviously that must be it, right? It's it's uh, just a cleaner cut because the machine shield is on it? Yep. It's, uh, you know, you, you've, you've reached one of those, those critical uh, landmarks, not the right term, but we'll go with that. Uh, you know, that's, that's the growing pains of learning manufacturing. Uh, it's that process control and double checking your work and like, you know, it's, it's now you're aware of that. And so you'll be aware of that going forward. But that right. that's why I always try to encourage people, you know, don't just be uh, smitten by the technology. You still have to there, you know, it's not point and click. You've still got to learn the, the nitty gritty that goes with it. Yeah, one minor little change like that yep. made such a difference. And uh, but fortunately, hey, you, know, you caught it before you sent it out. 
I, I did catch it. I mean, who, who, how I, my eye caught that, I'll never know. But I'm like looking at it going, I should probably try to nest these together before I send all the all these out. I mean, worst case scenario, whoever received it would have to use a file and, and file that that out a little bit. But I didn't want the customer to have to do that. I, I just didn't. You know, I felt well, like that wasn't fair. And that's and that's the thing is that there are some companies that'll ship and they won't care. And we both know how merciless customers can be if they feel like they've been slighted. Oh, so it's oh, a good thing yes. that you yeah. caught it. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Let me, yeah. let me ask you this, Brian. Like when you have a, a setback like that in your shop, like how do you how do you recover from that? Are you the type of person where you can just be like, ah, whatever, and just uh, you know commence to fixing it then and redoing things, or or do you, or do you have to uh, like? step away for a little bit before you can go back and, and redo all that work. The older I get, the more I step back. And, and like last night, I just decided to go home. You know, I, I basically cut one out with the kerf adjustment just to make sure that that was in fact what it was. Cause I knew that if I went home, that would be all I was thinking about. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would not be able to get <laughs> that off my mind. I obsess about things and, um, and especially the details. And yeah, then, I'm but, the same way. Right. And when, but the younger, when the younger Brian, the say 20 years ago, I would have beat my head into the table a uh, hundred times to try to figure it out and probably would have had the same result. I, I would have learned, but it would have taken a lot longer for me to learn it. I, I, I don't know if you guys ever have these um, moments where you have like aha moments where they're like, Oh, that's why <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of times those come to me in two different places. And they're both in the bathroom, one in the shower <laughs> and one on the toilet. Yep. And I don't know why, but I guess it's because I'm relaxed and there's not a lot going on or whatever. My mind and my body relax enough to where I can actually think clearly, you know? You have time um, to process. It's, yeah. It's, well, we live in a very, you know, you both have kids and, and you've got work and you've got your side gigs. And I don't think people realize just how how much faster paced life is now. I'm not saying that it's it's easier or better, but we're so go, go, go and multitasking that for a lot of times, we just don't have time to actually process things. And then, you know, you have a, a moment to yourself and things kind of gel. I agree. I think if it, w- one of the things I've done, and I don't know if you guys do this too, but when I'm working on a project that's really, really um, mind intensive, like if it's, it takes a lot of brain power, I will uh, disable all the notifications on my phone. I'll just basically mute it and set it aside because being a content creator, I get bombarded from all angles. Uh, and it's it's real easy to just sit down and look at those and respond because a lot of people have a lot of great questions and they want to know stuff and I want to help. That's like built into me, right? I'm a service-based person. I love that idea that I'm able to like give somebody knowledge. It's a really cool thing. But if you can't, if you can't come up with the next project, you know, if you don't have enough time to actually work on your life and what you're doing and then what good is it? Um, I I remember uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was. It was probably like a pastor in one of my churches or something. um, He said that uh, if you can't, you know, when you're on an airplane and and the stewardess gets up there and does her little spiel about your seatbelt and all that, and they say, make sure you put your mask on first before you Mm -hmm. help anyone else. 
I kind of use that as an analogy for life. If you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of anybody else? You know, exactly. put that mask on first. Yep. Yeah, man, it makes a lot of sense. So, all right, guys. So we've talked a little bit about the shop and what we're doing. And I had my little rant about my issues. Um, I, I sent you guys a list of questions and I've already kind of asked one, the projects, uh, but Jesse, we never got to your project list. I know you're working on some knives. I know that's in process. Uh, tell me a little bit about say one of the, one of the knives you're working on. I'd like to know some details, like what kind of steel it is, what the handle material is and, the, and all of that. All right. Yeah, man. Uh, right now I've got, I've got five, five knives and they're they're pretty much done i haven't posted any any pictures on social media of, of where they're at now um but um i use adcrv too for everything right now and i've i've had really good luck out of that stuff and and what testing and things i've done with it so far it's been just just tough as nails i don't know if you uh, happen to see the the video where i was doing some testing and Yep. Uh, stress testing and stuff with it the other day, but I was, you know, I'm super pleased with with that steel. So, and I feel like I've got my heat treat really, really dialed in on it. So, uh, I'm probably just going to stick with that stuff for now. And uh, you like use I say, a, a kiln to heat treat. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got a uh, one of the even heat kilns. Oh yeah, great, great gear. Yeah, yeah, they're they're tough to beat. Um, you know, several years ago, I, I really wanted when I was kind of starting to to get into to heat treating my own stuff. I I tried to use a forge, and I guess uh, inexperience and and all that stuff playing together, I just never could really you know get 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 things right trying to heat treat with a forge. So I knew if I was ever going to try to do this on any any level to, to be consistent with things that i was going to have to invest in an oven so i went ahead and bit the bullet and you know the the buy once cry once thing and, and went ahead and got one uh, yeah there's a few part things a you, you can't scrimp on and i think that's one of them also having a decent grinder um you know it, that's a big one too i i talked to a lot of people about grinders since i make them or i actually don't make them but uh sell parts and all but uh when people tell me, oh, like I, I'm always fascinated by these guys that can pump out really good quality gear and um, with with very uh, minimal uh, equipment. And and I don't know if you've ever watched um, the art of craftsmanship, but uh, mm-hmm. th- his stuff is uh, is pretty pretty amazing. And before I shipped him a grinder, that guy was doing everything on. Um, on a one by thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, the guy was uh, was was definitely um, producing some amazing gear, and I was just like blown away by the amount of the beauty of his work, but uh, also how he was able to produce that stuff and and just uh, and just with no gear at all, basically, and it was really good. I mean, his gear was really really good. Um, so. Uh, I sent him a grinder. I don't know if you guys have followed him on YouTube, but I, I mailed him a grinder. It was a special one where the 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 motor was bottom mounted, and um, <clears throat> so many people have asked me, "Hey, are you going to come out with a grinder like that?" And honestly, you know, the bottom mounting for me anyway, it's it takes away that ninety degree alignment off of the platen, and it makes it really tough to tune it. Um, I probably wouldn't do it again. I, it was it was not easy, and, and of course, it was even harder because I was shipping it to him, and I didn't have the motor. 
so he had to kind of align everything himself which uh which worked out pretty good but anyway i'm off on a tangent about that dustin if you're listening i love your work you know that i love supporting your work and um i'm i'm so glad that you're actually using one of my grinders now that's the coolest thing ever um but i was going to ask you jesse about heat treating in a forge because i have a forge and i also do not use it to heat treat because uh, i built my own uh kiln and I use a uh, a PID controller and a thermocouple. It's exactly kind of like what an even heat tre- uh, kiln is uh, ba- based off of. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I u- use like an old ceramics kiln to do it um, that I found on uh, like Craigslist. And um, I got into understanding how thermocouples work and how that whole that system actually you know, with heat treating and how important it is that you ramp up slowly on certain steels and ADCRV two is really, um, sort of, uh, forgiving. Like you can heat that up and you know, it doesn't have to be perfect and you'll still get a pretty decent edge on it, but like tools like a two and I use a two a lot. Uh, it, uh, it definitely matters. You know, I'm ramping up to 1200 degrees. I'm soaking for an hour. Then I'm up to 1780 and then I quench uh, normalize and then quench. And it's, uh, you know, without a kiln, it'd be nearly impossible to achieve those, yeah. in those, yeah. uh, hardness levels that I'm getting with a two. Yeah. And I feel like even with the, what a lot of people call simple steels and, and stuff, you know, most of them still technically require like a, a 15 minute soak or something, at least, you know, within, you know, a, a 20 degree each way, window there and and that's that's what was the hardest part for me to like try to ever achieve in a forge yeah like how do you know yeah you know i've seen guys that have thermocouples in their forge but it makes it me wonder how they're really getting accurate temperatures right at the steel i because you can't how do do you know anything about that trent well yes and no it it's uh the only thing i can equate it to is cooking you know when you've spent quite a bit of time over a stove you you know what your temperature's looking like based on how your your pans and your pots are reacting and you just instinctively know to adjust you know your 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 burner flame up or down and i i think that's for some people they've just they've got that eye for you know they know that how how big the flame lick is how how the roar of the forge is they just they're so in tune with their equipment that they know you know where yeah, they're at yeah i'd agree color that, too sure. yeah yep. you can see the color of the steel and that all depends uh on what time of day it is and if you're doing it outside and all yeah but yeah. uh i like it for normalizing and forging you know if i if yeah I'm it's a, much much quicker for that way quicker i can yeah. get a piece of steel 1500 in uh five ten minutes yeah. and my kiln takes an hour you know so what but, is your kiln wired up on 220 or is it a 110 it's 220 and uh it's got uh five coils all the way down but it's a big kiln and uh it, you know oh, okay. made for ceramics gotcha. so uh, which i like because i i do these big hog splitters i don't know if you follow along with that project right but uh those are 24 inches long from tip to tang so they're I wouldn't be able to do that and say a normal heat treating kiln. Um, I know that like Paragon makes some big ones, you know, the big ones that Alex Steele uses and all that. Those are yeah. kind of cool. You can do like swords and all those big kukris and stuff. Yeah. I've got the LB 18 and uh, it's, you know, 18 inches on the inside. 
Okay. And the the LB series, they're the they're the newer ones, and they don't have coils uh, run through the back the back wall of, the, of it. So they're you just got the coils down the sides, and it's uh, you know supposedly to have the most consistent heat throughout, and not like uh, get the tips and knives hot. Like if you put them in tip first, you know where the backs of them poked real close to the coils. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The tip is a. Uh... Is always getting hotter first. Yeah, people yeah, don't think the about that. place. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, Jesse, we can find you on Instagram, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At Mountain Prevail. My, and Mountain uh, same Prevail. thing is, I got a, a Facebook page too. It's two words, Mountain Prevail. Also. Very good. I got uh, one more question for you, and a lot of people ask me this, and I answer it as best as I can. But the business of knife making. Uh, how do you price your work? Oh man, that's a that is a tough one, and uh, and being in a business I'm in, like say I'm I'm a contractor or carpenter or whatever, and so I've been dealing with this um, for a long time, and like my like if if I have to do something on like an hourly based rate versus like a contract price, it's going to vary a lot from my shop stuff to to what I do every day, but. Man, it's it is just really tough because, and, and especially the way I'm having to do things right now, just working on knives, just late at night and a couple hours here and a couple hours there, it's really hard to uh, pin down how much actual time that I've got in each one. But um, you know, I've kind of got figured on what what materials um, cost for them, and and really, I don't know if it's you know taking the easy way out or cheating or whatever but i just kind of base my prices off of you know what other people are getting out of theirs that's 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 turning out a similar product and so that's uh, that's kind of where i've started out with that i got you yeah that's a good way to do it go ahead Trent. Let, let me ask you a question so the the majority of your uh customers how are you getting them are is it mostly online sales yeah, mostly online. Um, I have since that I've kind of launched everything in the last few months, and and like I have never actually got to post a knife for sale on Facebook or Instagram on any of my pages. And, you know, as soon as I've just posted some pictures of things, I started getting messages instantly. Like, and, and there at first it was a little bit overwhelming how many messages I got from people saying, "Hey, I want, I want a knife. I want one of your knives." And uh, you know, and a lot of people didn't say any kind of you know special handles or nothing. They just wanted one of my knives. And there, there is, there's, and what this surprised me also is um, how much local business that I've got. Because you know, I live in a little tiny small town, and uh, I would have never figured that I would have sold as many knives that I, as I have to guys right around here. That's my my friends and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, there there's been since I've started kind of putting things out there, I've got messages and sold some, you know, people all over the United States. Yeah, so, that's that's awesome. I I I have been uh, I'm a part of uh, business mentoring groups. I have people that mentor me, and then also uh, I mentor others. And uh, I have uh, a unique kind of perspective on business, and and I will uh, give you the the elevator pitch on it. Uh, business is all about relationships. 
that is like it. I mean, that's it. People will buy from you because they know you and they like you. And if you're knowable and likable and you put yourself out there, people will contribute to your life. It's just the way it is. Um, I read a really good book um, called The Art of a- Art of Asking, mm-hmm. and it talks about uh, basically at, like you hear me on my on my uh, YouTube channel talking about. Um, hey, you can support my work and you can do that through these different ways. And those, a lot of people are that are content creators shy away from that. You know, they don't want to ask their audience for money. And at first, when I started doing it, I thought that is, you know, that's low. I don't want to do that. I don't want to ask anybody for money. And then I realized how bad do I want to do this work? You know, is it, is it one of those things where I don't really care and I'll just, you know, kind of make it happen or make it a side gig? Or is this something I want to do full time? The moment I realized about it was about a year ago that I wanted to do this full time. I realized without asking, there would be no way that I would be able to achieve this uh, work without probably five to 10 years of investing, you know, my time full time, you know, once I get up to a level of like, say, Jimmy Duresta or, or an Alex Steele, would the sponsorship start to roll in and you know, people would buy from me. So I went out and I just straight up asked and I started doing that in all my videos. I don't think not even one time have I had somebody kind of call me out on that and say, um, I think it's really crappy that you're doing that. I've had more people actually donate to my Patreon. And a lot of people do this buy me a coffee thing where it's just kind of like a freebie. Uh, it's like they, they can dump money into a PayPal account and it goes to me. Um, and I, man, I am blown away when that, those little dings go off on my phone when people support my work. It's it, and they do it glad, like they're so happy to do it, you know. They and and people that buy my knives too, and my hog splitters, you know, I put 400 bucks on those, I sold all four, you know, and I, before they were even made, you know, they were just like, I want one, I want one of your pieces, you know, they didn't care what it looked like, even, you know, so uh, yep, it, it's it's cool. You know, when I started talking about what I wanted to do, um. As far as, you know, because I've been making things and I've had a shop for years now, but but when I started kind of getting over into this side of it and started mentioning it to a few friends, hey, you know, I, I think I'm going to try to, you know, pursue the knife thing or whatever. And, uh, you know, you start talking in, in depth with them a little bit about it and kind of tell them, you know, what, how much money I can get out of a knife and how much money, you know, you can make doing it and, and this and that. And, and yeah, I've had friends tell me, dude, you are, you are crazy. This, there ain't no way, dude, there ain't nobody going to spend that kind of money for a knife and blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, say I'm about two years later now and, and, those same people have, have a few of them's bought knives from me now. So don't you love that? I love it, man. It, uh, it's bitter, bittersweet. Yeah, man. Well, it's, it's Brian has kind of touched on this in some of our private conversations, but, uh, it, how's the saying go? It, it, don't take business advice from somebody who isn't more successful than you. Absolutely. You know, so if somebody says, Oh, you know, they'll point out the negatives and stuff. You know, you got, I'm not saying grain of salt and all that, but I am saying, you know, you have to believe in yourself. And, and if you've done it smart, you know, you've done a little bit of research and whatnot on it and you figure you can make a go of things and your own self-confidence really does make a huge difference. 
Yeah, I think that uh, if you want something bad enough, you'll make it happen for yourself. I mean, if you're that t- that type of person. And I cannot express to you how many times people in my own life, people who I looked up to and respected, told me that I should not go into business for myself. And back then, that was 16 years ago, uh, and I didn't listen to them, but uh, thank God. And uh, it was either that or, or, or I just could go to my day job and just absolutely hate my life. I mean, it was just the worst thing ever. And later, I would hear Gary Vee talk about this. I love what Gary Vee says about entrepreneurship. He says, if you're an entrepreneur uh, or want to be an entrepreneur and you've hit the ripe old age of 40, but you've never worked for yourself or you've never started a business and failed, you'll probably never will. You're probably never, you're not a true entrepreneur because so many people say, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I'm, one day, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do that. It, for me, it wasn't a choice. I literally hated going to work. I hated it. It's not that I hated work. I hated going to the, the job, making someone else rich. I hated that idea. I just th- I just disliked it so much. So my, my entrepreneurship journey sort of started in 06. And of course, that was the beginning of the worst financial devastation of, that this country has seen since the Great Depression. Um, I got what they call a baptism by fire in business. I learned that uh, how hungry you can get and how hungry you can watch your children be without uh, actually saying uncle and going and getting a job at, say, like a Taco Bell or a McDonald's. I I was there. I had nothing. And um, that just made me want it even more. I don't know if that makes sense. I was happy. Like, I knew, like, hey, this... Yeah, it's like I didn't it for me it didn't bother me so much. I hated watching my family suffer a little bit. They weren't it wasn't that bad. I mean, we were in true poverty, but it was it was pretty rough. I mean, we had some times where we couldn't pay the bills and mortgage and all that. And now I look back on that time and I think I can do anything. I, I now you tell me I can't do it, uh stand back and watch me while yeah, I do it. Yeah, you know? hold my beer. Yeah, you got that right. And, uh, and and now, amazingly enough, those people who told me that I couldn't do this this thing, this content creation uh, business that I wanted to start, they're all now looking at me, going, "Sure, give it a try. Let's see what you got." Because I've proven myself in other regards. So yeah, um, you know. But until you have that track record, so when people tell you you can't do something, remember. Where remember where they are. There, a lot of that is projection. Yep. You know, they're seeing it from their own perspective. They're they're probably not capable of it, and they don't want to see you fail. So they're just trying to help. You know, yeah, and not I, being negative. I, I think that's the big point is that sometimes, sometimes it is projection, but I think generally overall, it's that you know if if you're a decent people, a decent person, people care about you, and they don't want to see you fail, but. That's not the same thing as understanding that you you have the the, the spark that's going to drive you. You have the, the just like you say, Brian, the grit because it's the yep. grit that gets you through. Yeah, dig Absolutely. deep and push hard. I don't know if you guys watch uh, Shark Tank or whatever, but I, I love what I've heard Mark Cuban say on there several times. He says a, a true entrepreneur is someone that's uh, willing to work eighty hours to keep from having to work 40. Yeah. You ever oh, heard yeah. that? All day long. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I don't know that's how, me, long, man. how many hours you guys put in in a day, but I, I definitely do over 10 hours a day. And yeah, it, I, it's, I it's don't glad. understand how, how you two can put in the time that you do. Um, I, 
I'm I'm a slacker. I I have to be completely honest about that. I, I there's a caveat there. There's a reason for that. Uh, I pushed so hard for so long that I had a little bit of a breakdown's not the right word, but you know, I I was starting to have some physical consequences from oh, pushing sure. so hard, so I had to back off so I could heal up. But yeah, I don't know how you guys maintain the pace that you do. I think if you love what you do, it doesn't feel that way. And I think it your perspective on things of burning out, I've been there too. So it's it's not like I do this you know, I couldn't keep this up for say maybe more than a year or two. Right. I will probably dial back uh, a bit, but the growth phase of any business, you have to, you're, you have to, it's just the simple fact of the matter. I mean, I, in one year I've gained 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. And for anybody that's done any work on YouTube, that's they know how hard it is to get there. It is like insane. It's two, it's a grind. It's two pieces of decent content every week. And that production of those two pieces of content is, you know, an entire two or three days. Yep. So you're working all that. Then I'm, you know, of course, running the business side of things. And, um, and being I, I a dad. And being a dad. My kids are like older now, so they're not requiring my attention as much, which is kind of cool. And Dexter joins me a lot. So he comes to work with me and helps me and stuff. Which yeah, is, yeah which that's is awesome. awesome. I, I can't wait till my boy gets to that point where I can yeah. drag Dude, him I, around. And, yeah. and I, can't, I can't wait till he's getting in my way. The, the key to having your kids want to work with you when they're old enough to actually contribute is to do it now. Like, like my kid was in the workshop, Dexter uh, Emerson, my youngest, he's not been, he's, he's more of a video game kid, but, uh, at Dexter, any single time I was doing something, rebuilding the motorcycle engine, you know, fixing a lawnmower, the kid was like, I'm, I'm calling him out there. You know, I'll tell him, stop playing with your blocks, come out here and hold this, uh, light. And, and, you know, you don't think about him, you know, absorbing those details when they're that little. But now the it's like autonomous. He just wants to come with me. He just wants to be next to me. And he's got his own workshop now. I See, mean, I, I don't know. Great things. I'm sorry to interject, but I don't no, I don't know what your guys's personal situation is. But for someone like me, I grew up child of a single parent. My dad wasn't around. Uh, so moments like that, I think, mean a lot more. Than you realize because my, my grandfather was the the man in my life. And I thank God that he took me hunting and fishing and we worked on, you know, he had an old scout that always constantly needed work because it was a scout. Um, but I, I thank God for those experiences because that really helped drive my interests and, and my, uh, fascination with the kind of things that I do. Yeah, kids are kids are one of those things where the, these dads that are deadbeats and they don't hang out with their kids. I just think they they're the ones missing out. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, you know, I can't, I'm not walking in their shoes. It's it's a tough thing. Who knows how that works with people? But uh, all right, so listen, I uh, another segue here. I, I asked you guys a couple of questions in an email, yes, sir. and uh, I wanna I wanna hear your answers, and then I'll give you mine. So Jesse, starting with you, if you could meet one person in history, they could be dead or alive, any time frame, doesn't matter, who would it be and why? All right, man. So this is a question I've heard, you know, a, a couple of times before when I've driving or, or whatever, and I've actually put a lot of thought into this. And 
man, I don't think there is any way possible for me to narrow this down to one person because of who it would have been 15 years ago is done forgotten about in my mind now because I'm just always interested in who's really doing great in the field that I'm interested in now type thing. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, like like when I was a kid, I'd have said John Wayne because I was all about some Westerns, man. I, I was just eat up with rodeo and everything, and I thought I was going to be the next John Wayne when I was a little kid. But then, you know, as I ever I get, you know, the older I got and I've been into so many different things over the years, it always, you know, who I'm wanting to meet and talk to, it's always somebody who's doing really well in, in the things that I'm interested in. So who is that person today? Ah, today. Do you have one? Yeah, I've, I've got a few. Um, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure y'all were familiar with the term bushcraft and mm-hmm. know what yeah. all that stuff is. I'd love to sit down and, and pick Dave Canterbury's brain and, and just hear his stories and, and see what kind of, uh, you know, wisdom and stuff that he could pass along. And uh, as well as like Ray Mears. Um, and then like as far as the knife making type thing goes i'd love to hang out with jason knight for a day or two and just oh yeah that see what's in his brain and uh and the funny funny to tell you the funny thing about that is i just found this out i don't know just a, a couple of months ago jason knight lives like less than an hour from me and i actually go to the doctor my doctor is in the town where he lives so i'm really close to that <laughs> we live close together so it's uh it's a wonder that I haven't ran into him or something. Well, you never know. Hopefully, he, he might be one of the audience members, and maybe we can open some doors that way. Yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. I've, uh, he also I've, does uh, workshops, too. So maybe he does. at some point, you could go yeah. take one of his workshops. Yeah, yeah, I've, I'm considering that right now. When I, whenever I, like, because my knives and stuff right now, I'm pretty much doing exclusively uh you know stock removal stuff but like i've i've got a propane forge and anvils and hammers and all that stuff here and you know whenever i kind of get the time and and some of the you know projects around the house other than than my shop work stuff slows down then i can venture into that uh you know because i'd like to get more into into forging and, and learn more about that process yeah no doubt i was supposed to do a um uh, a workshop at Doghouse Forge up yeah. in Central Florida. Do you know who they are? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that name a lot. Yeah, uh, Jeff Fader actually does uh, some workshop stuff down there, um, or up there, I should say. Uh, he go- he comes down and does those. But the the one I was supposed to go to got canceled because of COVID. It was like late March, and ah. um, I've never. I'm like you. I do stock removal stuff. Uh, have a forge i have an anvil i just don't uh i just don't know anything about it i've just never done it and i wanted to take a class and uh unfortunately got canceled but uh you know probably in another year or so we'll be we'll be back on track we'll be able to do all that stuff yeah i think with as far as forging goes for me what's kind of holding me back right now is if it's if uh this was like anything else that i attempt to do in life it's going to snowball and get bigger and bigger so i'm not just going to want to hammer yeah. out some things out around still i'm gonna to want to dive into all these yeah. crazy damascus and this and that and I know next exactly. thing you know i'm gonna have a, a press and a power hammer yeah. and a bigger shop to put it in and yep. so that's kind of what's holding me back from really diving into that world so you're afraid of it getting out of control 
Is that <laughs> what less. I hear? More or less, because okay. I, I know it will. Yeah, well, hey, that's, I've that's, seen that's, me do it before. Yeah, I totally, call I totally understand that. Yep. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, man, I understand it as well. And, I, and I'm right there with you. You know, when I actually, you know, the mill I use is that old Enco mill. Mm-hmm. That was actually um, sold to me very inexpensively, uh, I might add, by one of the YouTube followers uh, who lives here uh, near me. And he, uh, hit me up on facebook he's like i got a whole slew of tools i'm cleaning out my garage i'm getting rid of them super cheap and uh, i'll even deliver them to you so he came down and delivered this mill to me and i never in my life thought i would ever want a mill the minute i got that damn mill i started playing with it i'm like this is one of the most powerful tools i've ever owned Mm -hmm. i mean even though it's just a a spindle mill it's it, it it does a lot and i'm thinking all right, now I'm going to need one of them bridge ports and uh, <laughs> Tormach. I, I need a five-axis CNC machine. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It gets uh, pretty crazy. My wife's like, what does that do? What do you need that for? And I'm like, all right, let me just explain something to you. I don't need it, but now I, want I have it. one. I want it, and now, of course, I need one. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But uh, if, all right, if your so, wife's like mine, whenever I need something expensive, like when I finally bit the bullet and – and bought uh, like that KMG grinder. It's it's like I thought I had to justify this a ten different times to my wife, and like all all times throughout the evenings when we was sitting around or whatever, I would randomly be like, "This thing will do this, and this thing will do that," and man, it would sure make this easier. And after a couple of weeks of that, she was like, "Just buy the damn thing." Hey <laughs> man, that's I just awesome. get tired of hearing about it. Yeah, well, that you either you wore her down or she really loves you. One of the two, yeah, maybe a little combination yeah. of the both. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, right we'll on. Go with right that. Mr. Trent. All right, yes, same sir. question for you. Yes, sir. Who would you Who would you want to meet? Have a Have a uh, a drink with, or whatever, a cup of coffee with, and uh, tell us why. Uh, I've kind of got two. They're both from ancient history. One is uh, Diogenes, and just mostly. The balls on that guy, he, uh, he's, he's this, he's this philosopher from, it's called the cynics, uh, is the school of thought that he's from, but, uh, he, he was visited. So he was an interesting character. I'm not saying that I want to emulate him or anything, but he lived, he literally did not give a crap about social convention. He lived in like a giant crate on the street, hung out with dogs. He would carry a lantern around in the daytime because he's he was looking for a an, an honest man was the, the phrase he would use. He would just hold the lantern in someone's face and they're like, what are you doing? And looking for an honest man. And uh but my favorite story is that he he's approached one day by Alexander the Great before Alexander took over the Empire. And uh, Alexander had always wanted to meet him and, and he asked him a question. Well, he started out, supposedly he woke him up from a nap with a quote from the Iliad and Diogenes responded with the next verse in the, the poem. And then they have a little banter back and forth. And then Alexander the Great, you know, kind of cocky is like, is there anything I can do for you? And Diogenes looks up and says, "You can step aside. You're in my. You're in my son." <laughs> that's, that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, and uh, 
so then the next one would be Epictetus. Uh, the are these both? They're they're both Greek. You have to educate me. Yes, because they're, they're I, both. I am Greeks. not familiar. Both Greek philosophers. Both Greek okay. philosophers. One is from the school of cynics. The other is from the school of Stoicism. Okay. Uh, and just you know, we t- we tend to think of of older civilizations as somehow more primitive than us, and yet realistically, when you look at uh, so our, our bodies of knowledge are different, but like when you actually look at raw intelligence, I, I have a hard time seeing any ancient cultures as being dumb. I mean, that's what we've built on to get to where we are. Sure. And when you, when you look at the actual, you know, we're, we're gifted with the ability to read the, these various books that are passed down through the generations and translated, you know, because I don't read ancient Greek, I don't even read modern Greek, uh, but for the fa- for the ability for it to be translated and and accessible, and you look at the wisdom that these, not only these people, but the impact that they had on um, society, but also rulers at the time. Uh, it it's just, it's kind of mind mind boggling. It's like. It's like, you know, we could probably use some of that wisdom today. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a, our, our uh, situation that we're in right now um, looks pretty dire. I mean, you know, we've got all this, you know, this hatred going on. And, and I think that we're on the cusp of a lot of impending change. Yes. And it doesn't feel like there's a lot of um, adults in the room. Yeah, it doesn't feel. It almost feels like there's the blind leading the blind a little bit, you know. Yeah. And um, all, all of the smart people are kind of sitting back, waiting to see what happens, you know, which is pretty typical, um, you know. And eventually they'll step in when if if the if the button gets pushed. But I I, I like that answer about the Greek philosophers. That makes a lot of sense. My my answer is not going to be anywhere near nearly as educated or or as cool, <laughs> but. Um, as either of your answers, by the way, uh, I had to think about this too. Cause like Jesse, I don't really know. I, I it, it would change from time to time. Like probably 20 years ago, I would have said Jesus. And, uh, 10 years ago, I probably would have said like, uh, you know, somebody famous, like an actor or something, but, um, Jesus is still a good answer. Yeah. Jesus is a great answer. I, you know, I'm not highly religious, but I, I believe in what the dude stood for. I would yeah. love to have a conversation with yeah. the guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll meet him one day, no matter what. We'll meet yeah. Him anyway, I, I I know, and I feel the same way. So I'm like, you know, I'd I'd, I'd like to get his take on what's going on right now. <laughs> like, either he'd be at the front lines, or he'd be like, you all are just dumb. What what is going on? Stop this now. Uh, but uh, the the, my, the answer today of that question is going to be Willie Nelson, and uh, okay, and I will give I will give you the the real deal as to why. Okay. Uh, As if I couldn't like you a lot already, Brian. I like you even more now. I know, right? So, old brother Willie. So, have you ever heard that uh, that phrase or the saying where it says uh, you should never meet your idols? Yeah. Oh yeah. You you know how they say because they'll basically ruin it. They'll disappoint you. you. Yeah. Yeah, they'll disappoint you. I have a hard time believing that Willie Nelson would disappoint (laughs) me, and I think that if. If you if you're in a room with Willie Nelson, it's a good time. It doesn't yeah. matter what what you're doing. So <laughs> I had uh, that, I had heard a rumor. I don't know how truthful it is, but I had heard heard a rumor that uh, Snoop Dogg said that 
Willie Nelson's the only guy who's been able to put him under the table. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. <laughs> and if you, you read about Willie Nelson's sordid past, I mean, the guy's got like 20 illegitimate children and like, you know, all this stuff. It's it's kind of fun. But he, the, you never know it. Like the guy's just so easygoing and, you know, whatever. He's, yeah. he's, he's one of those people. I actually did get a chance to be in the same room with him at one point in my career. I was a... Uh, I worked for uh, Fox Television from uh, right out of college. I was a, a photog, and uh, we used to throw these big parties, these big after parties. And um, and Willie Nelson played. Uh, it was it was a really weird lineup. It was Willie Nelson and Alice Cooper. I don't know if you guys That's know who it. Alice Cooper yep. is. That's an interesting combination. It was quite yeah. the combo, man. And then I had VIP passes, so I could go backstage and kind of hang out. Now I, I was at the time not a huge willie fan so i didn't really even approach him or want to like kind of hang out with him i regret that to this day like a lot i wish i would have uh would have taken some time and and um and actually said something to the guy but uh but yeah i uh i I love willie nelson i love his music and i love his concepts and i like who he is and i don't think he'd disappoint me at all so that's that's (laughs) the answer (laughs) didn't he convert one of his tour buses to run on vegetable oil yeah, he did. That, feed, that during, feeds back into one of our previous conversations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was guy. listening to that a couple of days ago. It's, yep, he did it when the uh, gas prices were real high. Yeah. Remember that, like in 08, 09, yep, yep. when like, everything shot up? He did it to kind of – and he was doing that huge festival, too. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it, but and a lot of that was run on diesel generators that were powered by vegetable oil, which I think is really cool. So, um, all right. So those are, that's two of the three questions. Does anybody remember what the other question was that I wanted to ask you guys? Yes. Um, the accompl- accomplishments. A life the accomplishment. Accompl- yeah. Yeah. So Trent, tell me, uh, uh, tell me what one of your life accomplishments is. Well, something you're proud of. Th- this is probably going to sound, uh, I don't know, a little, a little wistful. You can brag. No, b- boast. That's the whole point of the question. It's well, your it's, time to shine. <laughs> it's it's a little less boastful, and it's it's more kind of, uh, I don't know, it feels a little bit like an Uncle Rico moment, you know? Uh, like an Uncle Rico moment when you're throwing the football by yourself <laughs> out in the field or when you're selling Tupperware? Uh, no, le- less the Tupperware and more just, you know, <laughs> thinking back to your younger days. I, I Oh, oh, I get you. I get yeah. you. Okay. Uh I, you know, I like I said, I grew up without my my father in the picture, and uh, my mom did did a, a pretty decent job of raising me. And I know that it wasn't always easy for her, but she was a little um, overprotective, and so there was a well. It, this all kind of feeds into each other. Like I skipped a couple of grades, and so when I graduated high school, I was. I was nowhere near being 18 and uh, I just didn't have a lot of life experience. Uh, I wasn't really able to do sports because of our financial situation. I, I did I did actually manage uh, to play sports, but I couldn't do it consistently, just the, the financial aspect. Uh, anyways, I like I said previously in our first episode, I had started working on uh, an oil pipeline right out of high school. And 
I followed that pipeline job to the next job. Well, that contract got canceled and I found myself in a, a bad situation where, you know, I didn't have a job. So we were going to try to go on to the next one. Well, I blew the engine in my vehicle, kind of got stranded in Kansas City or not Kansas City, Kansas, the state. Um, it, not not really a place you want to be in the middle of winter when you don't have you know, resources or anything. And I was running out of funds and I took a, I took a job at this, uh, it's kind of a fast food restaurant. there called Brahms. It's, it's like a combination of like Burger King and Baskin Robbins. And, uh, anyways, I was trying to figure out what to do with myself. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to call mom for help, you know, but I, at the same time, I realized I, I need to do something more than just work here at this fast food restaurant. This isn't going to cut, cut it. And, uh, anyways, I, so I joined the military because, you know, they, it, it sounds horrible, but you know, you, you, <laughs> you get three hots in a cot. And, uh, at the time I got my college fund and GI bill and it was like, okay, so, you know, at least I've got the next three years planned out and I'll have time to figure things out. And, uh, at the time they were like, are, you know, is there anything else that you would like? And I was like, well, since you're, since you're offering. And actually I had met while I was working at Brahms, there was this guy who was my manager and he had been an army ranger, uh, down in Panama when they had that, you know, that, the, the, the incident that heartbreak Ridge is based off of where we went down to Panama. Yep. Okay. Yep. So he was, he's, he was like, you might actually really enjoy this. So just hip shooting, I said, is there any chance I can get airborne school? And they're like, there's nothing preventing you. Like, we can give you the school. We can't guarantee that you'll succeed or anything. And so here I am, this kid who's really never been more than, you know, like, realistically, I've never been more than a couple hours away from home. And I'm on this grand adventure all by myself, trying to figure it out as I go along, uh, and uh, join the military and do all that and get to airborne school. And it, it, it was it was one of my proudest moments to graduate airborne school with several of my drill instructors. Actually, after graduation from boot camp. Well, it was, it was one station unit training as combined AIT and boot camp. Um, they actually went with us. And one of my favorite drill sar or drill sergeants, he, Oklahoma is pretty hot and humid, but Georgia in, <laughs> in the middle of July is really hot and humid. And he unfortunately kind of fell out of, um, you only get so many times of falling out of a run before you get kicked out of the school. And, uh, that was kind of a humbling experience for me that this, this kid that went through boot camp and was struggling. And then, you know, I'm trying to help him because, yeah, I don't want to see him fail. You know, he didn't want to see me fail. He helped me along and I was trying to do the same, but it was just a really cool experience that, um, even though they outranked me, we were pretty much peers. Uh, I wouldn't say equals, but we were peers because we were all students going through airborne school and airborne school. I don't want to say like it's it's not a difficult school to compete or to complete as long as you're willing to put in the work. The the real the real part is uh you know 
putting your knees in the breeze, jumping out of that plane for the first time, because I, I saw a lot of people that they were, you know, a lot of bluff and blunder and, and, you know, they put on a good show and then they just, it sounds horrible. I'm, I'm starting to laugh, but they would just crumble into little babies when they've got to actually exit the aircraft. And <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that one jump that they did was the last jump that they did and they sure washed out. And I, you know, it was interesting to me. I'd never jumped out of a plane and I loved it. And like from that day on, anytime I got a chance, uh, we'd do fun jumps and stuff. But like that was probably, it sounds weird. That was my proudest moment was graduating airborne awesome. school and getting paid to jump out of airplanes, you know. So and, how long did you, uh, that's awesome. how, that is awesome. That's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, yeah. How long were you uh, in the military? Three that's years. Ar the army branch, right? Yes. Three years active duty at Fort Bragg and then five years in the national guard. Oh, fantastic. Thank yeah, you man. so much for your yeah, service. Dude, thanks. That's awesome. That is a, that, that is like, you blew me away with that story, man. <laughs> like I, I know you fairly well, but I, I didn't know anything about that. And, and, um, that's, service like that is uh it's like the ultimate thing that you can do for your country uh, other than dying for it I, I i try to explain that to people and they just don't uh they don't see it that way some people don't and uh i i really do appreciate you man that's awesome great story well we you know i, I can't speak for every veteran but i can speak for myself and people need to realize that it's kind of a, a twofold thing we we do it because we can, and we do it because, you know, each of us has, we all have our own reasons, but, you know, we've, we've got, sorry about my dog. That's all right. Oh, hold on. Hello, hold on. doggy. Okay. Sorry Out about that. Uh, I don't know why they had to start barking inside, but uh, for, for me, I thought of the people that I had met throughout the course of my life and you know th those were the people that I was serving for you know I I didn't want sure you know and I'm not saying that you know we we were at any risk in the early 2000s of being invaded or anything but that's you know we we do the job that we do so that the people at home don't have to do the kinds of things that we do right um right. you know the the hardship and the 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 danger and you know and then there is the there is the second part like a lot of people don't realize this but uh for i don't want to say a majority of the people who join but for a good percentage of the people who join it is one of few opportunities for them to improve and advance their life yeah and it I provides a, a springboard for them to you know, well, it, it, look at your own situation. Yeah. You're, 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 you get stranded somewhere, you're running out of money, and you're like, you know what? This is the best next step for me. And you did it. And, uh, man, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that, Trent. That's awesome, man. Thanks for, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Jesse. You got you you got you have to follow that. I hope you have something. Just as good. <laughs> yeah, good thanks luck. a lot, Trent. Appreciate Sorry. that, buddy. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> All right, man. So, 
I've put a lot of thought into this too, and uh, my the answer I'll get to here in a second in the end is the complete opposite of what I ever thought my answer would be to to the question, you know, what do I feel like is my greatest accomplishment? Um, I've, like I mentioned earlier, I've done a, a lot of things in life, and uh, I've been fortunate in that aspect. Uh, when I was young, you know, I was a rodeo nut. You know, I rode bulls for a long time. Um, I got in, you know, and I, I traveled around some, competed, won some money riding bulls. Same thing with uh, I got into team roping, and uh, you know, got decent at that. Never was, you know, you know, like world class by no means, and nothing like that. But you know, I, d- I did well for, you know, especially on the local. Yeah, the local things. circuit. And, uh, you know, and I never would have thought this would have happened, but I just got completely burnt out with that stuff. You know, I was, like I say, I thought I was going to be the next John Wayne, and I was going to die the next John Wayne. That's who I always would have thought I was as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I say, I got completely burnt out with that stuff. And, um, you know, I've always been the biggest bluegrass fan in the world, still am, and I will die that for sure. But, um, you know, I, I play bass and play a little bit of guitar and banjo, play a little bit of everything. But, the you know, the bass is the only instrument that I really claim to be able to play. And um, I got to travel around with a couple of decent bands. And, uh, you know, we we took second place in a national competition in Nashville uh, like six or seven years ago. And, and that, was a, that was a cool thing I'd done. And we opened up shows for, you know, all of my heroes in like the bluegrass world and uh, so you know got to do uh, some cool stuff with that for a while but uh you know i so i that's some some things i was kind of proud of and and i'm proud of you know learning to do some of the things that i have you know i don't i don't want to sound boastful neither because i'm not a bragging type person but I am proud that I'm one of them people that I feel like I can about fix anything mm-hmm. and I can about build anything and uh, you know I feel like I do pretty good with, in that world or whatever. But uh, you know I, I I bought my first piece of land when I was 17 and started building my first house when I was 18 and I don't know you know a whole lot of the uh, guys that age that that done that so that's pretty impressive. I'm proud of that I'm proud of that too and. Uh, but I'll tell you what happened to me. It was a day before yesterday. I was I was here at the house working, and I'd got home a little bit early. And uh, like I say, I'm building a new back porch and, and stuff here on on our house now. And um, my wife picked up a little boy to babysitter, and, and uh, instead of coming through the house, they walked around the yard so they could. She wanted to see. I was building rails that day, and uh, my wife wanted to see what I'd got done, and she'd come carry my little boy around the house. And uh, when he when he come around the house and he and he seen me and his little eyes light up and he smiles and he starts clapping his hands saying da 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 da, you know that's that's my greatest accomplishment. That's that beats any other feeling I've ever had. I guess. That's awesome. Yeah, man, I know so that I'm, feeling. I'm yeah. proud of that little boy, man. And I never would have thought, you know, that that would have been my answer because me and my wife been together for 12 or 13 years and been married close to 10 now and uh you know we was kind of to the point where i didn't know if we'd ever have any kids or not and it didn't really matter to me either way but shoot man 
Now, now I wouldn't. Him. I wouldn't take nothing for him. He's my 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 best friend's ten months old. You know. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. And it, the older they get, you know, the, is, I like to t- to explain to people that don't have kids or have little kids. I'm like, it's okay to not like your own kids sometimes. <laughs> so you know, they're going to be little a holes, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And uh, if if you're lucky, they they grow up to be decent human beings. Yeah. But uh, uh, I mean, and some people look at me sideways when I say that because there's this culture sometimes in America and probably in other countries Children too. Children worship. We, yeah, oh, don't get me started. People put their kids on a pedestal, yep. and I'm just like, you cannot do this. You're yep. not doing them any favors. Yep. You, you yep. got to you got to make sure they know that uh, where they stand in the family, in the role, and on Earth. You know, but uh, but for the most part, when you get when they get a little bit older and they start coming along with you to do stuff, taking them fishing and all that uh, stuff, uh, I'll tell you. There, there's nothing like like when Dexter's here in the studio with me working and we're building something like the other day when he was building that CNC plasma mm-hmm. table. I barely did anything. The kid like assembled the whole thing. I'm looking at him. I'm like, I have successfully cloned myself. Uh, uh, here we go. Like we can now take over the world. Let's do yeah. this. man. So uh, it's a cool feeling. But uh, and also, Jesse, I was going to tell you um, in the early 2000s, I was uh, I was you know doing my thing in college. Uh, I, I graduated school in in two thousand, and then uh, I had a little hippie bus. I'd drive around and and I would uh, I had a, a pirate radio station set up in it, and nice. I would travel around in Missouri and uh, down mostly near St. Louis, where uh, I would uh, I was invited to MC and then uh, also broadcast these festivals, these music festivals to these campgrounds. So I had a little 20 watt uh, station, right, and an antenna on my van, and then I would get a front of house feed, and then we would blast, you know, out on a, like a unused FM channel, which may or may not have been legal at the time, uh, <laughs> out to uh, the, you know, to the campgrounds. And uh, I'd always wanted to be in radio. I mean, it was like my thing. Like uh, ever, my mom, my whole life, she had always told me, Brian, you have a great face for radio. <laughs> you got to be on that radio. You do a yeah. great job with it. And uh, and so I. I, this is the only job I could get, you know, just doing this. And in my, when I say job, that's like a loose thing. It was like, I got paid in, in, uh, in kegs of beer and backstage passes, but, uh, I got picked up in the bluegrass circuit. It's funny that you say that you love bluegrass because, um, I was traveling around with a band called leftover salmon and then another band called blue ground undergrass and a bunch of like Keller Williams and, and all, all these guys that are kind of in your neck of the woods there in Virginia. And, uh, and mostly hippie stuff, you know, like they're, they're playing like these hippie festivals. Somehow bluegrass music got sort of crossed over into the, the deadhead fish, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how that happened. I, I don't either. I don't know, but, uh, it was, it was cool. You know, we, we, we had a lot of fun. It was usually generally very, very fun. So, uh, I, I also love, I learned to love bluegrass. I didn't like it at first, you know, it wasn't really my thing, but then once you go to a festival and you listen to it for three days straight, you kind of start drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. a, it, it really is great stuff. And I, to this day, still listen to a lot of yeah. that. So and the, the problem bluegrass. with it is, is like a, a lot of people that don't know anything or ain't, you know, ever been a fan of bluegrass. When they hear the word bluegrass, they just think of old, like like they think of hearing banjo music in the woods and like <laughs> people whining and like Deliverance terrible stuff. But yeah, man, when I when I say bluegrass, what that word means to me is like 
Allison Krauss and Union Station and Lonesome uh, River Band, third time yes. out, like these progressive bands. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so that's a, uh, yeah, a lot I'm of people don't really understand that. Yep, yep. Allison Krauss is fantastic. I dig yeah. her stuff, man. She's great. Yeah, and All right, her, so her bass player, Barry, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no go was, ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say her, uh, her, her bass player, Barry Bells, was, man, like one of my heroes for forever. Like when I first started playing, I listened to everything they did, and I tried to play everything just like Barry Bell's, man. And Yeah, he's he's the man for sure. Everybody in that band's stellar, stellar musicians. Yeah, tip-top. They're they're out of Nashville now, right? Or they live in Nashville? You know? Yeah, Allison lives in Nashville, and, uh, of course, Barry Bell's lives in Greenville. He's he's probably less than an hour south of here, and she, they, they've uh, you know had a few members come and go, but I don't know. I'm sort of catching wind that that they're they're not even a, a band anymore yeah. for a while i don't yeah, know if much. uh i don't know if y'all, i'll let y'all in on a little bit of inside information uh whether i should or not i don't know it's just hearsay but it comes from people that knows them all personally <laughs> but uh do y'all know who dan Tominsky is yeah yep yep you know the original man of constant sorrow sung that song the voice of george clooney in the movie uh, and all that one of my favorite movies of all time yeah, yeah. man me too uh Dan Dominski was actually married to Allison for a, a little short period of time within the last few years. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if that that ended bad or they had a falling out or whatever now. But, you know, Dan Dominski has now started the Dan Dominski band again. And uh, I, I'm hearing that, you know, like Union Station is no more. So. We might have heard all of all of Allison Krauss and Union Station. Interesting. I, I heard a rumor too that uh, Dapper Dan was named after, you know, the the line in the yeah. movie where he walks in to get the hair the hair yeah. jelly. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, like I'm a Dapper Dan man. He's like, I can get Dapper Dan for you. It'll be about two weeks, and he says, I don't want fop. God damn it, I'm a <laughs> Dapper Dan man. <laughs> that is like the best line of any movie ever. Yeah. He's like, well, isn't this place just a geographical oddity? Two <laughs> yeah. weeks from everywhere. <laughs> I'm the pound of familiars. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, all right. I'm going to real quickly uh, uh, try to sum up my, my greatest accomplishment and uh, that I feel like I've ever achieved in my whole life, and that is to be self-made. I feel like if, if I were to pin down one thing that I've done, other than obviously having my children and raising good kids and all that, I, I, you know, my professional accomplishments, I, uh, not to be boastful, but I, I've worked really hard to never go to work for someone else. And I've uh, been tempted to do so many times, and, and I've always chosen my own path. And that, for me, is the basis of what I do with my content creation. And the basis of this podcast is kind of shifting in that direction where we talk about self, you know, being self-driven, yeah. finding the reason to wake up every morning, go to work, do whatever that work looks like. Uh, but it usually is on the basis of not punching a clock for yeah. someone else. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I, I That's my best, number one, biggest and best accomplishment. And also, hopefully, at some point, being able to shift my career 
and uh, do content creation full time. I just enjoy it so much. I love this work. Uh, you know, at some point, I think it, it will happen for me, and and uh, you know that'll be probably next on my list. Uh, so, uh, but uh, but listen, guys, we're reaching that uh, that time. It's uh, we've done this now for a little over an hour, hour and seventeen minutes. We've talked and jib jabbed, and I can't tell you, man, I had a great time talking to you guys today. Yeah, Thank man, this so is much. this has been awesome. It's been kind of listen like listening in live on 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 a podcast. And yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the energy that I want to bring to this this podcast is definitely what we did today. I call this a hundred percent success. This was such a fun time, and uh, so just so you guys are aware, uh, if you're out there listening on the internet, uh, if you hit the follow button on it, whatever. Uh, platform you're listening to this on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, um, or on the Makery Network website, please hit that follow button. You'll be able to connect with us anytime we upload something to this feed. You'll get a notification so you can check in with us. And if you'd like to be on this show, if you'd like to come on and do uh, what uh, Jesse did today, shoot me an email, brian at housework.us, and uh, we'll see if we're a good fit. And if we are, you guys can come on and connect. Jesse, I'd like to have you back on the show again, man. I mean, you know, hey man, I, I I have had a great time, and I can't tell you what it means to me to be able to to be a part of this. And I'm not just saying that, man. This is this is really cool, and uh, you know, I'm thrilled to, to especially to be on one of the the first ones. So, thank yeah, you so sure. much for having me. The good news is that you're on one of the first ones now. You've probably been heard by at least eight people. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I would assume anyway. That's, that's all right. Probably, and that's kind of how my nine. YouTube channel is, so I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because, uh, you know, uh, your subscribership is is low uh, at the at the time. But uh, what, what I – I want you to know, and here's here's what I'll give you: a little piece, a little, uh, you know, uh, I'll impart some wisdom on you, son. Yeah, I'd uh, love to. I'd all right. love for uh, you to. So uh, we've all been there. So every piece of content you upload, and that it only gets say fifty, hundred, two hundred views, whatever. Don't look at it like that. Look at it like you're climbing a ladder, mm-hmm. and you are on that rung. And there's going to be a whole lot of content that you make that no one will ever see, and that is okay. And you're getting an education. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, all my early stuff, a lot of those videos, I got lucky with a couple of things. I mean, I got lucky with a couple of videos that went viral in the millions. But uh, that was that was an anomaly. Most of my videos now, they're, you know, I get like 3,000 views and, you know, that I'm happy with that. Over time, they grow. You know, they get 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 views. But it takes a little time for that algorithm to kick in. Um, every time you make a video, just strive to make it better. And Yeah. And capture that audience in that first 30 seconds you got to like really grip them by the short and curlies you know give them something (laughs) and and, and i'll tell you that little bit of advice and that's not my advice to you that's advice that i got from somebody else who's already way above me who said you know hey if you climb that ladder you keep producing and in fact uh i'll I'll give him a shout out his name uh is andy miller and he runs a channel called boatworks today Mm -hmm. andy um Mm -hmm. uh, rebuilds boats for a living and my channel actually started out that way and a lot of people don't know but i was a boat captain for a long time and i was a fishing guide and um, i got cancer and i couldn't do it anymore so i ended up in this workshop and that's what, what i'm doing now but back in the day, I was uh, rebuilding the boat, and I got connected up with Andy. And back then, this was like five years ago, Andy had like maybe, say, 10,000 subscribers. The guy's got over 100,000 now. Yep. I mean, he's really successful. Uh, anyway, I get a phone call from Andy. He's like, hey, I'm in Naples. Uh, you want to have lunch? And I'm like, what? What are you doing down here? So 
uh, he's from Wisconsin, so he was down here vacationing, and we went and sat and had lunch, and I got a lot of really great advice from Andy, and um, it was one of the pivotal moments of me understanding what I was doing, because at that time, I wasn't producing content regularly. Mm -hmm. You know, I was only pushing out like a video a month or something like that. That's how I found you. Yeah, yeah, you found me on the boat thing, yeah, right? Yeah, the Seacast like, transom. Yeah, the transom video, and uh, and and so when when we when he was telling me, he's like, "Look, even at a hundred thousand subscribers, if I don't create one at least one piece of content a week, the algorithm will drop his channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, the algorithm says you're no longer rele- relevant, and uh, you, you and and all of his older videos too would start to suffer, not just the new stuff." So I took that and I thought, you know, that's that's crazy. Like, how can you produce one piece of content a week? I mean, that's like nuts, right? So I gave it a shot. I said, all right, I'm going to do at least one a week. He was right. It was it, it started the the needle started going forward where I was getting, you know, 10 subscribers a day, 20 subscribers a day. Now I'm like 60, 65 subscribers a day, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we're just at that cusp of 20,000 subscribers now. And I still, hey, if you watch some of my old videos a year or two ago, I was touting I'd have 100,000 subscribers by now. I was, I was quite the ballsy young man. Back <laughs> in the day, you know? uh, but, but I don't look at it as a failure. I look at it as a success because I see like that 20,000. I have 20,000 engaged subscribers, mm-hmm. people who are really uh, paying attention to what I'm doing, um, watching, commenting, and, and contributing to what I'm doing. I'd rather have 20,000 engaged subscribers than 100,000 people who you know may or may not you know comment in or whatever. So I feel like we're on the right track, and I think you are too. I really like your energy on your videos, and I think uh, if, you, if you plug yourself in, do even uh, you know who Casey Neistat is? Of course you do. You, everybody knows who Casey Neistat is. He did this thing. He made a video, and it was called Just Keep Uploading. And I I didn't understand that concept. I didn't fully understand it. And what he was saying was, it doesn't matter what it is. Just keep uploading something. Uh, the audiences, their their minds are very, um, they're, like their attention is, it, once they see your content, it's gone out of their life, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't pop back up on their radar until you make another piece of content. Mm-hmm. So there's not, there's no such thing as making too much content. Uh, and, and Gary V touts this now too, all the time, you know, make content, you know, and, and document don't create, you know, that's, that's the other thing that I've learned is I used to go through these, you know, create these really big, long drawn out edits where I would do all the script, all this stuff. I, I can't do that twice a week. It's just impossible. I don't have a crew of people with me. So I started documenting. I would literally stand in front of a camera for 10 minutes and tell them what I'm up to. And that's what I do now. And, and, and people are more engaged with those videos than they ever were on those two to three day production videos that I was, you know, wasting my time on. Yeah. Um, I, I love them, man. All your stuff is super profe- professional and that's, you know, you, you, uh, you do a, uh, a phenomenal job with that. No kidding, man. Well, I appreciate that. I work really hard at it. And, yeah, I can um, tell. And I and I want I want you to know that I think you could do the same and and climb up that ladder and and it's just those little tiny minor details that if you uh, you employ employ those that uh, you know, you'll also do the same thing and then on top of that what'll happen is is you start getting a following and then the the business side of things kind of comes into play mm-hmm. people want to start buying your knives and uh, want to start uh, contributing to your patreon and all of that and it, it can become a legit side yeah. hustle that's yeah. that's awesome because i 
that's that's some definitely useful information. Uh, I was so worried at, at first because I'm just an old redneck from the mountains here in Virginia. You know, I'm <laughs> kind of awkward on camera, and uh, I was kind of worried that people was just going to think I was was crazy. But you know, I get comment or not comments, but I get uh, a message here and there where people say, "Man." Love the videos, and I love that you're just being real, man. Just just keep yep. doing what you're doing. And so, well, that's, that's kind of like that's kind of what we're what I'm trying to do that is just that, you know. In, sorry, no, go, go right ahead. Go right. That ahead. feeds right back into what Brian was talking about with authenticity. I think I think people are over the whole super sano bundled package uh, corporate speak. You know, squeaky clean bullshit. Like we. Think about it. Our friends and family, they are, they're lovable and, and, but they've got their quirks and their flaws. And that's kind of what draws us to them is, is that they're human. They're not, they're not these commercial products. They are human beings. And that's why you watch YouTube. Yeah. That's why I watch it. I mean, if, if, if I go on YouTube, I, my, some of my favorite people are, uh, are, are like what you're doing. Jesse and and you know it's because I feel like I'm hanging out with you. <laughs> that's it, that's what I wanted. That's yeah, what I wanted, it, man. Yeah, I mean, the, and the, most the people, people don't understand that concept. They're like, oh, I want to watch. If you want to watch a production, turn on Hulu or Netflix yep. or something. You know, YouTube is about the real deal, and you know, there's a little bit of play in there. You know, people are doing a little bit of both, but there's a there's an audience for anything that you're you're up to. There really is, and 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 also finding a sub niche. You know, in my world, uh, I wanted to be a knife maker and a workshop guy, and I started doing that. And then I got noticed for making grinders. And then I was like, you know what? Let's get granular with this grinder thing. And that grinder thing turned into a, a really decent business for me uh, just out of, like, I don't know if it's pure luck or what, but I, I you know, I really ma massaged that thing and continue to massage it because I'd love doing it. And it's almost as if the market decided, you know, the market said, you're really good at this and we love watching you do this. So continue doing this. So the two by 72 stuff really gets a lot more attention than anything else. Um, and, and a lot of YouTubers, a lot of create content creators will say this is that they hate that component of the algorithm. It's like it picks for you, you know, it may it like it won't let you deviate much. Uh, and, uh, it's, it is what it is. You know, you, you, you can deviate. You just got to get creative with your deviations. Yeah. You know, so. and I just didn't want to get like stuck in that. Cause I, I feel like there's a, there are a, a YouTube channels are a dime a dozen for people that's trying to be so strict on this is how you do this. And, and when you do this step, you have to do it like this. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to tell everybody how to do stuff cause I, I just want to, like you're saying, I just want to hang out. Let's have a good laugh. And if you're interested in what I'm doing, it's, this is what I've got going on. This is how I do it. Yeah, I dig that energy, man, because you're right. There's a lot of guys out there that go, that have this like almost like a school teacher attitude where they're just yeah. like pushing you into one direction and you think, like, yeah. oh, man. Like um, uh, one of the guys I like watching too is Jay from um, Redbeard Ops. He yeah. changed his name. It used to be Jay uh, Keaton Knives, but he's Redbeard Ops now. Yeah. And he's like that mix between he knows a lot of stuff and he's like very methodical, but he's also, he also realizes like not everybody's going to do it this way. So this is like, he's like right in the middle for yeah. me. And I like that about well, him. Well, I got, and then of course, I got to go confess, I'm one of those people that probably because of the industry I was in, you know, the, the things have to be right. So I was 
probably a little more stick in the mud than I should have been, but it's, you know, you're, you're making a product that has to, it has to perform. And so true for me, but then just to get that uniformity, I, I kind of developed that. And, and I, I'll be honest, I don't really like that part of myself because sometimes you just got spitballing is more effective than like locking yourself into like, you know, this, this, it's gotta be X, Y, and Z like that, that, that shit gets old. It does. And if you, if you, if you never deviate from the norm, then you're never going to get out on that fringe where people really notice. Yeah. You You can't, can't grow and, and, and become better if you hang out in the comfort zone all the time. Yep. You got that right. You got that right. Well, listen, guys, this is where I'm going to end the show. It's been an hour 30 now, and uh, I truly appreciate you guys both coming on. And uh, I appreciate you all for listening and hanging out. Um, As always, there are numerous ways to support what we do here. And uh, you can go to housemade.us. You can buy stickers and merch. You can support me on Patreon and uh, on Buy Buy Me a Coffee. There'll be links in the show notes. Um, And also, like I said earlier, if you'd like to be involved in the show, send me an email, brian at housework.us. See if we connect. And if we do, we'll have you on and we'll talk about the work that you do. Uh, again, guys, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you both. Thank and you. I hope you have a, yeah, a, a man. great rest of the week. It's been a great. Jesse, it was great talking with you. You too, sir. Uh, we'll, we'll all have to add each other up and, uh, and, uh, stay connected, man. This has been, this has been awesome. Yes. It has been great. And, uh, we will connect, uh, again and probably do another episode. So thanks awesome. for listening, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. It's uh, been episode two of work for it right here on the Makery network. Uh, Hope to catch you on the next episode. Bye. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.